Hi, everybody. It's Sean with Pie Factory Podcast, and I was given uh, the okay from Jim to also speak on his behalf as well. As with many podcasts, there is a lag between the time that we record ours and the time it's actually released. And in this case, it's uh, well over a week, actually, so far. At least the main body of this podcast was recorded over a week before what you are hearing this moment. This has been obviously a terrible year for pretty much everybody in the world, and sadly it's also hitting the gaming community pretty hard. Uh, Jim and I were both saddened to learn of the death of Frank Colin. He is the father of our friend and uh, friend of many of our listeners to uh, father of Brian Colin whom we uh, facetiously refer to as Henry VIII every now and then. So our love goes out to Brian and his family, and uh, we're, we're thinking about you, and uh, so are so many of our listeners, I'm sure. Also, we just learned of the unexpected death of Kurt Vendel, and we figured we'd better say something, because it would seem weird for a podcast to come out after he died, and we just didn't acknowledge it uh, Kurt was well-loved and still is well-loved in the Atari community in particular. I really don't think there is a bigger Atari fan in the world than was Kurt Vendel. Now, I am one of the people who did pre-order the XM unit that he and several other people were working on for the Atari 7800. That is the furthest thing from my cares right now. My cares are that Kurt's family is being cared for in some way or another, and uh, Jim agrees with me as as well. Our love goes out to his wife and his child. I, I know that Kurt has at least one child. I don't know how many he has, but to his family, our hearts go out to him, and I'm sure everybody listening, your hearts go out to the Vendel family as well. And, of course, to Marty Goldberg, who uh, broke the sad news. Poor guy just lost his dog recently, too. Well, I guess... Uh, Maybe we can take some comfort in knowing that he and Milo are hopefully reunited by now. Our interactions with Kurt have always been very upbeat, very positive, and he was such an asset to Atari fans. Such a bright, intelligent guy, too. And the things that he was able to do in terms of hardware programming, forget it. I would never have the guts to ever try and uh, we were just in awe at his talent and, of course, his love for the system. Something that I highly recommend you do if you haven't done so already. Go to the Into the Vertical Blank podcast. They recently interviewed Kurt, and it was a great show. Actually, the entire podcast is great. It's one of my favorites out there. Can't recommend it enough. It's such a wonderful podcast. We're going to link it in the show notes, but... We figured we should say something about Kurt. We want to say something about Kurt. And again, all our love to the Vendel family, all our love to the Colin family. And having said that, let's 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 have some fun, okay? So here is Pie Factory Podcast. There we go. My fan is turned off. I'm glad we're recording tonight and not later this week because of the, well, we might hit a hundred. So, oh, shart. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, especially in a house with very little air conditioning, that makes a big difference. Ooh, but, uh, Lorgies. Orgies? Where? Lorgies. Yeah. Ooh, I could go for one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd go anywhere for one of those. So, hi, folks. Welcome to another... Hi. <laughs> yes, we're... Uh, pot is legal in Illinois, so we are hot. No, I no, we're not. I'd like to be, but we're not. I biked past the dispensary in my neighborhood today, and I was like, hmm, should I? And then I remembered they only do cash. Ah. And I only had, like... 20 bucks on me which yeah i'll i'll tell you when a long time ago before pot was legal my wife and i had always talked about how you know like it'd be dumb not to legalize it and tax the living hell out of it which is exactly what they do Mm -hmm. because i i've to this day i've never tried pot in any form as far unless somebody spiked my uh brownies or something same but something out of curiosity i went to the dispensary's website and to get pricing, uh-huh. you have to click either medicinal or recreational. And if you click recreational, the price skyrockets. Not surprising. It's not surprising at all. It's probably because of taxes. I mean, oh yeah, uh, and yeah, because if it's medicinal, then hey, it's stuff you need. So you know, I I don't know. I, anyway, hi, this is Pie Factory Podcast episode one hundred and fifteen, folks. This is uh, uh, Sean at Pie Factory Headquarters North. And, uh, who are you, by the way? This is Jimmy G at Pie Factory Headquarters, sued. And oh, sued, sued. Yes, I'm. I'm moving to Germany to be with uh, uh, to be with uh, my ancestors. So awesome. No, not really. But um, you know, I, th- I may have. I've probably mentioned this before, but the uh, Chicago, Milwaukee area, huge, huge German population. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one. Uh, how to phrase this? More than any other ethnicity, Americans can be traced. To Germany, there are, there are more people who can trace their ethnic ancestry to Germany in the United States than any other group. Interesting. At least that's a stat I heard years ago. Now, here's a question for you: Do you know if that includes Mexicans? Because a lot of Mexicans actually are—you can trace them back to Germany too. Would not surprise me. So, does that include, like, say, Mexican Americans? That would that would be interesting to know. To, to be fair, too, though, mo- uh, most uh, United States citizens are uh, multi-ethnic. So that's true. So we're I think Bill Murray put it best in the movie Stripes. We're Americans. You know what that means? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. Hmm. Bill Murray was brilliant in that movie, by the way. You had to qualify that by saying in that movie. He's been brilliant in a lot of movies, and he's been not quite so brilliant in movies, too. Well, okay, maybe Garfield. Oh, dude, do you know why he uh, he agreed to uh, voice Garfield? No. Because of uh, basically mistaken identity. He thought it was a Coen Brothers movie. Really? Yeah, and when he signed on and agreed to do it, he found out it wasn't. Did you see Bill Murray's stint in the movie Zombieland? I did not. They ask him if he has any regret, or he accidentally gets killed. And uh, the protagonist, he plays himself in the film, and the protagonists ask him, do you have any regrets? And Bill Murray says, none. Well, maybe Garfield. <laughs> hmm. The first Zombieland was a great film. I love how Bill Murray, uh, he dressed up and was acting like a zombie, uh, quote unquote, just to fit in. <laughs> hmm. That's a that's a good movie. I'll watch it if you've not seen it. But wow, that's a lot of rambling. So um, how are you, Sean? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you asked there, uh, Jim. So, oh. um, yeah, uh, I'm recovering from a 
couple of nasty things that happened to me about, uh, when was it? It was a little over a week ago. My wife and I were supposed to go to San Diego. Well, that didn't happen uh, for some reason. Apparently, there's a virus going around or something. So uh, we changed our plans, and we ended up just spending like some time in New Buffalo, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the nights we were out there, my wife, well, my wife takes, well, not anymore because it's over now, but she was taking a ukulele course through the Old Town School of Folk Music. And of course, because of this virus that's apparently going around, all the courses are online now. Uh-huh. And she figured, well, I can still connect to the internet. I'll bring my ook with me and not miss a class, which is fine. So to basically to get out of her way, that Wednesday night when we were gone, I excused myself to the patio outside of our room and just hung out there and uh, didn't notice that in the 80 minutes that I was outside, I didn't notice till I got inside mm-hmm. that I was constantly being chewed up by various insects. And I didn't feel the effects until after I got inside. Oh, boy. So I spent the next week severely itching and I was taking Benadryl, which I think emotionally affected me somehow because I was depressed as all hell for a week. That's not fun. And right now I have like red scabs all over my body. Well, from the waist down. Seriously, at one point, I, I could have sworn that Stevie Wonder could come by and read my butt if he wanted to. That's how <laughs> bad it was. And then he'd slap you in the face. <laughs> and then he'd slap me in the face, of course. And on top of all that, you know, today I had an appointment for my the haircut that I get every five months. I have my hairs cut. And oh, it's plural. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, thought they only had one, though. So I, I go to my wife's hairdresser for that because she saw, like, what happens to my head if I go to, like, those cheapo $10, like, super cuts kind of places. Uh-huh. And she said, you have to go to my fabulous gay hairdresser. I was like, fabulous. well, okay, I will. Yep. So I've been going to him for several years now. And... I biked over there because I figured I need to get oh, out no. on my bike more. And I showed up there and he said, and I always wear sandals in the summer. And he, he said, you're wearing sandals on a bike? I said, yeah, why not? He said, well, I, I just never thought of that, I guess. I said, the only thing that ever goes wrong is if you have the factory pedals installed on the bike. Oh, God. Those teeth will eat the hell yep. out of you. Yep, 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 yep. I do not have the factory pedals on. I have these really cool, like, bright red ones that I really like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he cuts my hair and I'm done and I bike on my way home. And about two blocks from home, while I was pedaling, my foot slipped right off the pedal. I guess there must must be something on the pedal that's sharp enough to scrape the back of my foot. Yikes. And when I got home, I looked and there was like this big pool of blood on my sandal. I was like, oh, mother of God. But I think it's okay. It, it wasn't a deep gash after all. It was just It just decided to bleed a lot. But... So, yeah, I, I have, like, scabs all over my body now because of various things. Deep gash bleeds a lot. Okay. And, yeah, and I noticed that uh, you you have a biking event coming up, don't you? Well, yes and no. I looked into the details. It's, uh, it's just a ride I do every year. I didn't do it last year because I didn't have the money mm. for it. It's the Tour of Scenic Ogle County. Uh, yes, yes. Illinois is mostly flat. Uh, with the exception, however, with the exception of the southwest part of the state and the northwest part of the state, uh, which, you know, those parts of the state being uh, rather hilly and quite scenic. It uh, takes place and starts in the town of Oregon and goes through the Rock River Valley, the, the river that the towns of Rockford and Rock Island are named for. And, oh, okay. 
Uh, the Rock River is extremely gorgeous. You go to the Rock River and go northwest Illinois from there, and everything is just amazingly beautiful. Uh, in places, it's almost like you're in the mountains. I'm I think not I have even a friend joking. who's in Rock River right now with her family, just hanging out for a couple of days. Rock Island or Rockford? Uh, somewhere where the Rock River goes through. Oh, uh, there's the town of Dixon, which is. Oh, it is in the Dixon area, era, area, 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 and era. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Dixon has an interesting hist- recent history with a politician bleeding the town dry, literally. But uh, yeah, that's if, where if Ronald you, Reagan's if, from too. Yep. If you have uh, what it, what it's um, CNBC, uh, their show American Greed had a whole episode about uh, the Dixon Illinois situation. So look that up. Huh. It's really really fascinating but uh anyway the tour scene in Goldgold county is like it's like a 10 30 60 mile ride it goes all through there and it's extremely hilly but it's one of the most scenic areas in the state and um but um they're doing like what bike ms did this year sort of going virtually um in a way i mean you sign up for it but uh you're pretty much on your own uh, you can ride it whenever you want but uh i'm still gonna do it because uh again it's a beautiful area and it has some of the best uh, bicycle riding in Illinois. They're really big into the, the whole bicycle thing. They're old. They have an old uh, train station downtown, and uh, they converted it into a hub, so to speak, for uh, a bunch of like ten, twelve bike tours of Ogle County. And uh, they have maps available there, and they have one of those um, trailside uh, bicycle repair things. It's got like a pump and like different tools and a rack you can put it on, which. Last weekend, which is, what's the date? Uh, seven days ago from today is, what, 15th? Um, actually, no, seven days ago from yesterday, so it would be the 16th. I did the uh, last portion of uh, US 66 I had to ride between, uh, in this part of Illinois, and that was between Lexington and Bloomington, Illinois. And uh-huh. um, they had one of those along the one of the trails there. But um, the towns along Route 66 in Illinois are trying to convert old portions of the pavement into bike trails, which is really neat. Oh, nice. Um, there's some really good bike riding in that area, too, but there's no hills, so, you know, it's it's easier to ride. But anyway, Tuller Scenic Ogle County, yeah, it's going to be, you have a month to do the ride if you've paid for it, uh, and that is between the 19th of September and, like, the 10th of September or of October you have to, to do it. Um, I already pre-registered, so I'm still getting a T-shirt and everything. <laughs> their logo the logo on the t-shirt it's kind of funny it's a bison on a bicycle because one of the places it goes by is the Nechusa grasslands which is uh, a nature preserved owned by the uh, conservation foundation which is a great organization a great charity i've talked about them on a previous podcast i used to do and um they have uh, a huge herd of bison there and so the, the the logo for this ride is a bison on a bicycle this year they put a mask on the bison <laughs> so I was uh, getting a kind of a kick out of that, but uh, yeah, I so got the T-shirt for Bike the Drive this year, which was canceled as well. I think it has a couch on it. A couch? A couch? You know, one of those things you sit on to watch TV. I'm why a couch? Because everybody went home, was home. I guess so. Yeah. Ah, so, so that's what I've been up to non gaming wise. Gaming wise, I'm still yeah. exploring in television and buying games here and there, and I'm um, finding some really good deals on some stuff. So far, out of all the games I have. My absolute favorite is Demon Attack. Is it how how different is it from the twenty six hundred version? Um, it doesn't have. It's not as the, the enemies are nowhere near as colorful. Uh, they're really? A little, they're a little more. Well, they're single color in the twenty six hundred. Hmm. They're multicolored, uh, but they're single colored in this one, and it doesn't have some of the same type of demons in Demon Attack. 
the biggest selling point is that boss ship at the end, which is really, really awesome. But uh, I think it plays better than the 2600 version. You can put it on auto-fire. Really? Oh, nice. Which, uh, which helps out quite a bit, and steering yeah. steerable fire. So, uh, yeah, that's my current favorite on the Intellivision. One that was a surprise. Everybody talks about how bad Donkey Kong is on the Intellivision. Don't get me wrong, it's not great, but it's, a, I think, a lot better than people give it credit for being. Yeah, it's only got two screens, but uh, it's still, I think, a pretty halfway decent game. I think my second favorite game is... <laughs> my top two on the Intellivision are Magic games uh, so far. Demon Attack, and then number two is Beauty and the Beast, which is kind of a Donkey Kong ripoff. That's a good game. I've played That's that. That's a good game. Like I said, I've been finding deals. I've, I've found, like, uh, one that had, like, four Magic games in it with the overlays and instructions for, like, uh, 30 bucks. And, of course, I jumped on that. The Intellivision had, like, 12 games with it when I bought it for like 70 bucks. I mean, that was a steal. It said it was n untested. I'm always willing to take a, a, sure. a chance on something untested. Worst case, you're only out a few bucks. Uh, best you can case, probably repair it, too. Well, and with the games it came with, I could have easily sold those separately to recoup my investment. Sure. So it was a good deal. But so far, I have to say, the actual titles put out by Mattel are underwhelming for the most part. The best of the group, in my opinion, Astro or Astro Smash, Astro Blast is the Atari version. I got to play it on a harder difficulty because on the easy difficulty, it just gets tedious and boring. Because hmm. uh, you earn lives so freaking fast. You earn them faster than you, uh, than you lose them at, at one point. And that's, that's kind of no fun. Burger Time on the Intellivision, in my opinion, is vastly overrated. I've been noticing... I remember you not liking it 13 years ago. I still don't... I like it a little bit better, but I'm still not a fan a couple of things. Uh, the, first of all, the mazes aren't the same, which yeah. I don't necessarily mind that, but if you're going to put new mazes in, at least have the original mazes available, too. Uh, that's not a huge, huge issue like it used to be, but the collision detection seems to be a little too... Uh, uh, seems to be off. I've gotten used to the controls for it, so that's the thing. But I noticed that no matter... I don't know... Maybe maybe it's a glitch, maybe I'm mistaken, but it seems to me that if you have more than one enemy on a bun uh, when you drop it, it still only goes down uh, one additional level. Yeah, I've noticed that on a few different versions of Burger Time. Yeah, that's Burger, one thing. Burger Time? Burger Time. Burger Time, yeah. That's one thing the Atari 2600 version, I believe, got right. Hmm. The ColecoVision got that right. I don't know about the NES version. I've played that. The NES version, the best version is the ColecoVision version, hands down. And then way far down the list, the second best one is the Intellivision. I think I like the 2600 version a little bit better than the NES version. Oh, God, the NES version must really suck. I did not care for it. It did not look or sound right or even feel like it played right. And with the NES, that should have been the best version. So there's that. See, uh, I got a couple more games. I just, oh, excuse me. I got a couple games I just ordered, too. I don't recall what they were off the top of my head. I'm uh, Oh, one of them was Frogger. I have to get Frogger for it. And I can't remember what the other one I ordered was. I When we recorded last time, I had ordered Tron Deadly Discs. It yeah. is still with the post office, because the sellers shipped it media mail. Oh. And I had, after about 12 days, I contacted the post office to open up an investigation. Oh, yeah, it's here. It was just shipped media mail, and you might have to owe uh, postage due on it. So oh, who lovely. knows what I'm getting. And it was inexpensive. It was, a, it was a complete new in box, supposedly. 
it was very inexpensive. Um, I'm going to rip that sucker open and play it, but uh, I'm not expecting the best on it. I already left the uh, seller negative feedback on eBay because of the shipping. He should have known to not ship that media mail, but um, I don't know. I'll, at the very least, if it comes back in um, good shape, I'll edit my uh, my feedback. But for now, Will they allow you to do that now. Well, maybe they don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he, I got a nasty uh, message from him. He's like, oh, "You should have come to me first. I would have refunded you the money." I'm like, "Well, you know what? I don't want that. I want I want what I paid for." And I didn't respond to him because this that's actually the first negative eBay feedback I've ever given now that I think about it but so I'm a little ticked off about that because that's the one game I really want to play it just uh, the problem with the Intellivision it I mean it technically it's a very superior machine but it's too sophisticated it, it's too hmm. pretentious I think in a way it's it's with all these buttons and it, and it feels like it needs to use them and then some games you have like these pointless overlays, which I posted a question on our on the Pi Factory Facebook page. Which system had the more pointless uh, overlays? Was it the fifty two hundred or the uh, or the Intellivision? And I think it's uh, it was like, well, we didn't have very many people respond to it, but yeah. I think it was like kind of tied when I last looked at that thread, <laughs> tying thread. Um, yeah, I see what you did there. But yeah, I mean, games that don't need overlays have overlays. And then I talked about in the last episode how the how some of the overlays are just like weird, like they reverse numbers versus what's on the keypad and, and that sort of thing. It's not a bad system at all, not by a long shot. But and and even the controls, those are pretty bad controllers. But after a while of using them, you still really get used to them. But it just, I don't know. It's 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 too sophisticated or pretentious. I guess is is what I'm going for on that because I already said that. So. I don't know. And I think the pretentiousness comes through in the fact that they had George Plimpton shilling the thing back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I yep. mean, if that doesn't call, if that doesn't say pretentious, I don't know what does. Supposedly, George Plimpton actually did play the game system, so at the very least, he, he knew what he was talking about. So you got to at least sure. give him credit for that. Yeah. But, I don't know. That's all I have to say about that. That's pretty much all I've been playing. I've been having a hard time playing anything because I started a new job. And uh, yeah, I'm working from like three in the three in the afternoon to midnight, doing IT work for um, <clears throat> a major Midwestern home improvement company. Handy where Andy. You, <laughs> well, yes. Where you always where you save big money? Not always save big money. That's the Lewis Edelson, which isn't a thing anymore. Um, Builder Square. Why yes, um, or Builder Square Two, the sequel. So that's been kind of impacting my my. Uh, my playtime because it's like I'm just way too tired when I wake up in the morning. By the time I wake up, Jim, we need you to do stuff around the house. So, yeah, so it's been really hard to get a lot of playtime in lately. So, what have anyway, you been up to? Um, well, let's see. I've been up to uh, a very bad decision I made, and Uh-oh. that's that I haven't been on the bike a lot lately, so I need to get on the bike more because, well. I'm not getting that seven to nine mile one way ride to work that I haven't had that in over five months. Uh-huh. Lately, all my biking has just been, you know, just errands in the neighborhood, maybe two miles round trip tops. Uh-huh. So when my, my friend Neil put out a call, he's like, Hey, I want to go on the, on this ride, go here, go to, go down by the river. You met Neil. He brought the, uh, the Atari 800 XL over to my place. And, uh, I said, yeah, I'll bite. I need to get it back on, on the bike. 
bad mistake. Yeah. So I, I get up, I meet up with him in Evanston, which is about three miles north of here. And he said, uh, I'm thinking going down to the river and then turning this way and this way. I was like, okay, sounds good. And about three blocks from there, I was like, no, <sighs> no, I'm heading back to the city as soon as we get to Dodge Avenue. <sighs> and I, I was just struggling. I, I yep. think I made 13 miles round trip. If I've, that, been, you know. I've been having a lot of trouble getting into it because I just haven't ridden much at all this year. And oh, I, I'm pretty much, I've pretty much calling a mulligan on this year for me with riding, but I did yeah, do I think thir- everybody is. I did do 30 miles last week. So yeah. As for gaming, however, I don't know. I don't remember how I stumbled onto this, but I downloaded Gardenscapes and Homescapes on oh, my phone. Oh, God. And yeah, I kind of got suckered into that. Not doing any of the in-app purchases, though. No way. I don't do that. Yeah, I refuse to play uh, Gardenscapes and Homescapes because of all the ads I see for that game in other games. And especially now, they're doing fraudulent advertising for yes, the game. Yes, yes. And, um, I think that's why I got those games, because I was like, oh, these look like interesting puzzle things. No, those are just mini games that pop up every now and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the one, one I, I don't remember the name of the game, but there was one where it's like, gather all of the riches, and you had all these pins you had to pull, and I'm like, oh, well, this looks like a fun game. But then you get the game, and it's just an RPG. And it's like, I don't want to play this just to get to that. And then this one I saw, I got a game. I, I like these ones where you got like a bunch of uh, balls and you got to break all the blocks. <laughs> but this one has this... Um, Flizzle Corp? King of, not King of Thrones. It's um, Throne Quest or something like that. And it's like, ad, it's an ad, like every two or three levels in this game. And it's like... And what was this tagline? It's like an erotic adventure or something like that. Oh, good grief. And, and I'm like, you know darn well that anything erotic in it is, A, going to be extremely censored, and B, it's probably not there in the first place. It's just there to titillate you into downloading the game to try to find the stuff that probably doesn't exist. So I don't, I don't trust many games in the, uh, in the app stores anymore because they're pretty much all like that. Yeah. And I also got a brand new 7800 homebrew that kind of just snuck up. Oh. I didn't even know was happening. It's called Putt 18 Mini Golf. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, Do it's, tell. It's not the most graphically attractive game in the world, but holy God, is it addictive. Yeah? I played that thing for hours on end after work one Friday. because I'm lucky enough that my Fridays usually end at 1 o'clock, and then I'm free. <laughs> and... Seriously, it is so much fun. It's it's kind of expensive because it's not sold through Atari Age. It's a lot more grassrootsy than Atari uh-huh. Age. But oh my god, it is so worth it. Ugh. I really wish somebody would do a port of Zany Golf to the seventy eight hundred. I think you could get a reasonable version of that game on there. God, have I ever played Zany Golf? I don't know. That was a hmm. great game. I'm surprised it only had the the one computer and the one, or well, one version for the computers and then one for the Genesis and it wasn't really ported to anything else and that there were no sequels. That was a great game. Oh, dude, I have my own mail story uh, regarding um, Putt 18, actually. Because oh. I had I got the tracking information mm-hmm. and it showed up as delivered. And the day it was delivered, we didn't get any mail at all. Oh. And we didn't get any mail at all for a week and then suddenly in the foyer of our building there was a ton of mail piled up but i emailed uh, the guy at uh uh oh what the heck is it called video video 61 video 61 and 
and he said he'd send out another copy. I said, well, hold off because I'm reporting it to the post office. We'll see if uh, anything comes about that. Then all of a sudden it shows up. Hmm. It turns out he got my address wrong. Ah. He flip-flopped the last two. You see, in, in, in Chicago, most addresses are four digits. He flip-flopped the last two digits. Gotcha. And somebody at the place where it ended up being delivered said, like, like wrote on the package, nobody here by that name. Did you try? Maybe this is somebody who lives over at this address. And, yep, that's what it was. So, yay. Yeah, four addresses. Um, the town I grew up in, Plainfield, Illinois, uses the... Uh, Use a State Street and Madison Avenue in Chicago, or Madison Street in Chicago, as its uh, center point as well. And so they got five and five and I don't know if six, but they you definitely know, have five uh, five number addresses in Plainfield. My parents have a five number address where they live, and I was wondering if that might be the case. Like they're leeching off the Chicago grid, but what? I did the calculation, mm-hmm. and it's like no, that's not enough miles from it. So Plainfield's um, uh, center point, or I, I don't remember exactly the term for it, used to be in the middle of Lake Renwick in Plainfield. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but then they changed. Oh, speaking, of, speaking of Lake Renwick, can we open Sean's drinking arena? Well, that was a weird segue, but sure. Oh, well, I thank you. Thank you for the sure. Oh, by the way, I, uh, I have to say this. <clears throat> okay, I'm good. Oh, oh, my. Thank you for that. Yes, uh, indeed. It was very important. Um, I'm going to turn on my camera and show you. Uh, what I am going to be drinking here. I don't think I featured this on the show. Ooh. Oh, thinking of, uh, thinking of which, there's a new candy store that opened in uh, I saw Shanahan that, that has... Shanahan, uh, like, yeah. Or as we call it down here, Bananahan. Um, you just and by the, the way, people, it's sh- like anybody from the Chicago area listening, it's Shanahan, not Shanahan. That's an O, it's not an A. I heard, the other day I heard somebody reporting on the store and they called it Chanahan. Chanahan. But anyway, yeah, so they have the Lester's Fixins. Ooh, in a Chicago glass. When I say Chicago glass, the band Chicago, the official logo, the trademark. Yeah, that's, that's I was wondering if that was because we just we bought this at a store. It wasn't that just because it had the skyline. But yeah. Yeah, the, the trademark is or the, the logo is trademarked. Yeah, the color is like it's kind of like pool table colored almost. It looks like uh, a little toned down green river. Yeah, it's yeah, it's less harshly green than Green River is. Let's put it this way: Green River soda looks like Chicago relish. Uh, regular store-bought pickle relish for hot dogs looks like the soda you're drinking. Okay, that makes sense. And by the way, that is cucumber soda from Lester's Fixins. Cucumber. I stumbled on this a couple of weeks ago at the uh, frozen custard place I go to in the neighborhood. Uh, Lickety split, by the way. L i c k i t y. Not spelled the way we think it is but to be fair try this it mm-hmm. sounds uh i'm just gonna say this before you drink it um it actually sounds actually kind of refreshing well i mean that's what i'm thinking too because like you go to a lot of stores and things like some of them actually have like ice water with cucumber in it as a like whole foods i never saw one over there but then again uh, maybe i avoid I'm thinking, whole foods well maybe i'm thinking somewhere else but could be there, trader there's some, like not even grocery stores, but hey, would you like a, a cup of water? Sure. And it's like they, they dispense it from this like water cooler that has cucumber and it's actually very refreshing. But cool as a cucumber. Okay, this is it's actually pretty good. It's uh, surprisingly on the sweet side. Uh huh. It definitely tastes like cucumber. Cucumber is a it, form of a melon. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. I generally don't like melon, but hey. And. 
Okay, this tastes like the smell of something that is. I, I know yeah. that I've taste. I know that I've smelled this taste on something vintage, like hmm. books or something. I, I can't quite describe it. But it's not unpleasant. It's no. It's it's a very pleasant taste, actually. In fact, I was going to say that I reserve the right to get up and leave this podcast to get myself another drink. But you're not. I going don't to have do to that. do that. I'm now, not going to do that. No, it's pretty was good. The, was this chilled when you had it? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, this sounds like it would be a lot better soda uh, chilled than otherwise. There's very yeah. few, to be honest, to be fair, there's very few sodas, or pops as they say here, uh, that are not good warm. But um, yeah. But this sounds like something that would be extremely good chilled. Yeah, I, I can't I can't drink stuff warm myself, unless it's like hot tea, but now, that's about it. Now, let me ask you this. Would this be good as a mixer for with an alcoholic um, I am beverage? so not going to let you ask that. Oh, well. Okay. Fine. I don't know. A mixer with an alcohol? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, maybe a gin or a vodka? Hmm. I do have some absolute in the kitchen. I could... Nah. I have to get up, and I don't like get up. So, yeah, this is... I really like this. This this is this is surprisingly good. Surprisingly good, yeah. Lester's get, you see, has a few good, has a good, few good yeah. flavors. I really yeah. like the maple bacon. Yeah, the cucumber soda, I... In fact, I think this is my favorite of the bunch. Really? Yeah. They're not surprising, actually. Like I said a moment ago, a cucumber beverage sounds pretty refreshing. Mm -hmm. Especially on the hot days that are coming next week. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be nasty. Oh, boy. Um, Oh, yeah, something else like... Uh, People might notice that my voice is going to sound a little bit different in this podcast. Uh, That's because... uh, I would usually record my part with GarageBand and use the uh, male narrator filter, but I'm finding that that well filter, it's more of an equalizer, actually, but I'm finding that it's dropping a lot of my syllables. So uh, I figured I paid money for Logic Pro. I might as well use Logic Pro. And it has this like, oh, what the heck is the uh, the EQ called here? It is called um, voiceover EQ, and I like it a lot better. Okay. You you probably can't hear it because you're only hearing just the Live, microphone yeah. itself. Uh, you're not hearing it through the processor. So I might so have I, to actually listen to our podcast for once. Yeah. Or autobiography of a schnook because the next episode will also be affected as such. When's the next that, episode going to drop, by the way? Um, In a few days, probably. Oh, sweet. Listen if you're not listening already. It's a good podcast. Fine. I'll listen. But um, Oh, um, also, we have a severely overdue email oh yes yeah we got a, yeah. a few things to get to before we get to the meat of the episode as it were mm, meat oh i grilled some flank steak last night that was some really good meat oh yeah Ooh. yeah so uh well first of all before we continue um we do have an email from eugenio but we will save that yeah um but we'll get to this one this is from uh Rob Shelby, he's uh, the co-host of Retro Game Club podcast. Uh, if you're not listening to that, listen to that. That's a very good podcast. It's uh, link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. It's Rob and Hugh from. Uh, oh, okay. Robin Hugh uh, from uh, I can't remember the name of the po- podcast he was on now. But, oh, uh, yeah. The one that blat- uh, that not blatantly that um, abruptly uh, ceased production. But I was g- glad to hear Hugh uh, uh, get back on because he's a he's a really nice guy. Little uh, yeah. little subdued, but he's. He's a subdued dude, but uh, he's a nice guy. But um, met him at Midwest Gaming Class. Yeah, yeah, very great guy. So um, I'll just go ahead and read this email from Rob Shelby. Um, dudes, 
I loved the BBS episode. I started with a Hayes 2400 on a 386SX. I remember getting yelled at by my parents for that first phone bill. That's when I learned about <laughs> zone calls. Apparently, there were not only long-distance calls, but zone calls. So you would have to look in the phone book to see what some... Oh, I think you mean zone you were in. The Detroit area had a really solid scene. I ran a BBS that actually ended with two nodes at 28.8. I started on TAG as the BBS software. My BBS was known for having every type of BBS software for download. I switched between many of them, Telegard, Renegade, PC hmm. Board, Inquiry, RoboBBS, and more. I ended on SynchroNet. Well, I need new glasses. The BBS was originally called Rooster's Hen House. As I became older, I thought that name was lame and made up my own really cool name, Crystal Knight. I thought it, thought it sounded hmm. like a magical fantasy type name. Suddenly, I started getting a lot of hate. I, don't, yeah. I didn't know why until somebody finally told me it was anti-Semitic and pro-Nazi. I changed the name to the Dark Side of the Sun. <laughs> like everyone... Dark Side... Ooh, that's kind of cool. Like everyone else, discovering the internet killed BBSing for me. However, it was specifically the combo of the internet, Linux, and MUDs. I devoted oh. most of my online time to mudding, mostly on Lost Souls. I love the show. Oh, we thank you. Thank you very much. Rob from Detroit, <laughs> Retro Game Club. Thank you for listening, Rob. We yeah, appreciate it. thank you, Rob. It's sorry we took so long to get that we. Oh, and I have to add one thing. Emails. Um, Rob, mist still sucks. Okay. So. Good lord. Yeah, what he <laughs> said kind of reminds me of how uh, when my college got the internet, and uh, we were we were able to tell that to other BBSs. A lot of people surprisingly did that. I, I was surprised at, like how people who weren't on the phone BBS scene did that. And yeah, and uh, a friend of mine who went to college in Indiana. Like when she was telling me about a new boyfriend that she that she had just acquired, and that they met on a BBS, I said, "Let me guess, you tried this one BBS," and everybody was like, "Oh my god, it's a girl!" And he was like, and he tried to kind of sweet talk his way over to you, and she's like, "Yeah, that's pretty much how it went." <laughs> they're uh, they're not together anymore. Uh, she's uh, her, I, th- I believe her next boyfriend became her husband. So ah, okay. So, like I said, we got an email from Eugenio. As per usual, we'll hold off on that. But uh, we do have a little bit of news. Uh, oh, do tell. In the arcade scene. This year, being the one thing 2020 cannot be remembered for is for having a sucky arcade scene, uh, at hmm. least when it comes to acquisitions. Galloping Ghost has been knocking it out of the park all summer. Earlier, they got uh, Solvalau, which I knew that was coming, but I didn't know when it was coming. Or uh, is it Solvalu? It is Solvalau. It is Solvalau. Uh, How do you know definitively? Because I I loaded it up in MAME, and it does not crash before it says Sovalau. Okay. So so they got Sovalau, which is the 3D sequel to Xevious. Well, one of the two. There's actually a second 3D sequel, which I don't think we'll ever cover, but that's it's different. This is first person. So they got that. uh, They got Daytona USA. For their 10th year anniversary, they got this rare Sega VR cabinet, which I really want to try. But... um, a week ago, this last Monday, which would have been... I don't, I'm not going to do the, do the math here. You know, we said on this, on this podcast that we would not stop until Tinkle Pit became a household name. The Galloping Ghost got a Tinkle Pit, uh, what was it, last year. But and has it been a household name yet? It hasn't been a household name, but one thing I've constantly said is that uh, the first arcade that gets a certain machine I will get, at oh. the very least, a year's, a year's membership to... Galloping Ghost got that machine. A week and a half ago, they got <laughs> iRobot, my most favorite machine of all time. And so I'm going to be heading up there Sunday morning to uh, play some iRobot. Which, actually, we have uh, 
an email from D. Alex about that. No, it was no, no. on Facebook. It was on, it was on Facebook. But since I can't log into Facebook on Linux here right now, uh, why don't you go ahead and read that? Okay. Well, well this uh, yeah. is Addenda and Arata. Yeah, this is this is the addenda part. Uh, hi, just go ahead and put the thing in here. All right, cool. So here's the thing. Um, D. Alex has apparently figured out that you can infinitely loop stage one of iRobot. He says he hasn't actually pulled it off yet, but that it should work out mathematically. Now, here's his exact words. On level one, you switch to X 2.0 view, whatever that is, I don't remember, and essentially just shoot at the birds the whole time. You get 1,000 per bird if you shoot them up close, and provided you only miss the first bird, you get enough points on Twin Galaxies settings to constantly get extra lives on each life. So that's that, that's fascinating. Going to have to see if I can be good enough to try that. Probably not going to yeah, happen. Right. Oh, yeah, and D. Alex, uh, the day that we were recording this, he went to Galloping Ghost and answered an age-old question. Are they complying with uh, mask recommendations with from the CDC and everything? The answer is yes. He said everybody Good. there was wearing a mask. Good. So I was I was happy to hear that. And, uh, and since we recorded last, I went to Underground Retrocade partly to do research for this episode. And... <sighs> I'm not just saying this because Underground Retrocade has been very supportive of this podcast since literally the day it launched, but I'm saying this sincerely. I've been to several indoor locations since the pandemic happened and since we we had closures and stuff. I have never felt more safe during this pandemic inside, except for my own house, other than at Underground Retrocade. I can't say enough about how how well things are run over there. I just saw a picture from uh, Underground Retrocade from just the other day, I think it was. And he, uh, on the second floor, they have like a whole area, a whole side of it that they weren't using. Uh, They pretty much use it for like special events or whatever, but they weren't using it. And um, they took that space and they moved the machines on the second floor further apart. Yeah. So that was quite nice. And I am going to play devil's advocate here and say that part of it is basically just the advantage that the building is is constructed the way it is and how the uh, oh without a doubt how yeah. airy it is in there too and yeah they have there's a lot of room in that arcade. there's a lot of space a lot of space like very well planned out very well used and uh it, it's it's i was just very comfortable being there that's good to know so yeah i, I believe all of the arcades in the chicago area are currently open um, I believe so. I don't know if Logan Arcade is yet, though. That's one I still need to get to. Oh, actually, yeah, they are open. They are open. Okay. But I think they were. I think they were a big holdout. They were. Uh, they were. They're like, okay, we got to do this as carefully as humanly possible. But yeah, they are open. Logan Arcade's open. Good. Awesome to hear. Yeah. So is that all for Addenda Arata news, emails, that sort of thing? Um, I believe. I believe, it is. I believe so. Anything on Atari Age? I don't believe there was. I don't know. All right. Well, we will uh, get on with it. Yay. So, yay. So. Um, oh, dude, you know what I did today? Nothing. Aside from what I already told you I did. I watched the first episode of High Score on Netflix. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have not. It was real. Well, all right. There is one thing I have to ding it for. At least the first episode was perpetuating undying myths that E.T. was the worst video game and it 
caused the crash. Uh, you had Toru Iwatani claiming that he that a pizza inspired the Pac-Man design. It didn't. And there there's some other things, but it was a great watch, and I, I do highly recommend it. And uh, one of my Facebook friends gets a lot of camera time on it, too. Uh, hello, Howard. <laughs> yeah, I've heard there's a little controversy brewing about uh, Howard's interview, because some people say that he's... People are saying he said some stuff in this interview that for this, uh, this show that... Uh, directly contradicts things he's said in the past. I've not seen the show, so I can't tell you if that's the true, but I'm just reporting that there is a bit of a controversy out there. Hmm. I, the only other I thing know. I've seen him in was uh, um, Atari Game Over, and I didn't really notice anything mm-hmm. that was like, wait a minute. But I really enjoyed it. And uh, there was a whole segment on Jerry Lawson, oh. which I thought was awesome. Jerry, Wait, Jerry Lawson? He invented the game cartridge. Oh! Right, 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 right. Yes. They had his kids and one of his grandkids, and that was a cool, a cool segment to watch. He should have gotten more um, recognition for doing that, but uh, yeah. that's an interesting uh, video game related uh, topic for Black History Month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, apparently he was a major nerd. You know, the nerds and exist. Proud of it. Nerd, nerds exist across the spectrum. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. By the way, some other news. Did you know that we recently lost the host of the first ever live video game competition? No. Regis Philbin. Oh, Regis Philbin, yes. He was originally uh, going to do Starcade, wasn't he? No, that was Alex Trebek, actually. Oh, that's, that's right. That was Alex Who's Trebek. Who's still alive. <laughs> TV Pow was uh, the show, uh-huh. and it first aired on KABC in Los Angeles on October 1st, 1978. It was one of those things where they would have a caller call in and play a game live on the air. Mm -hmm. And how the caller played was by saying, pow. And upon saying pow, the player's cannon or whatever would shoot. And it was later found out that it was basically somebody manually operating a Fairchild Channel F, I think. Speaking of uh, Jerry Lawson. My sister met Regis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah my sister was, was on... on Who Wants to Be a Super Millionaire. Oh, really? And she won $175,000. Man, that's like one payment of my grad school loan. Yeah. For those of you thinking of kidnapping her, the money's long gone, so... Uh, but yeah, he died on July 24th at age 88. My wife, Apparently, they had that out here, too, but I don't remember that. I, don't I, I think it was, it was on WGN or something. There used to be um, a, a show on uh, Game Show Network years ago called Throat and Neck, which, uh, weird name, but it is like a couple of space characters, and you called in and you played the uh, the games using the, the buttons on your touch-tone telephone. And hmm. uh, it, was, it was actually really, really lame. <laughs> well, my wife told me that in the New York metro area, um, I th- it was on uh, WPIX, they had TV picks, which was the same thing, but instead of saying pow, you said picks. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's pretty lame. And I, th- I think they, yeah, I think they used uh, Fairchild Channel F and uh, some uh, Intellivision games, too, I think. Fairchild Channel F, you. So, yeah, <laughs> which would make sense, because, like, this was 1978 when it started, and uh, oh, wow. that's when the Intellivision came out. Sure, sure. Anyway, so, <laughs> having well, said all that, uh, uh, what is um, what? Do, what do you want to talk about first? Let's do um, space zap. Oh yeah, you would say space zap, wouldn't you? Okay, let's do that then. Ah, space zap. Aha. Aha. Space zap. Yes. Space Shazam. Shazam. Or 
We're just winging oh. it this year. Yeah. So, Whatever. Space Zap, copyright 1980 Midway. It's uh, an interesting game. You've got a base in the middle of the screen, and uh, you have to shoot everything that comes uh, toward it. Oh, I have to? Yes, you have to. Otherwise, you'll die. Sharp. So, at any rate, the uh, controls. You have five buttons, uh, one for up, down, left, and right each, and a zap button, which is a big, friendly, round button, and I believe it says zap on it. It might not. I don't remember. You know, <laughs> we're not accurate. But uh, it's, a big, <laughs> it's a bigger button than the others. And to move, uh, you have, like, one gun on your base, and if you hit the up button, it'll move toward the upper side of the base. The down button will move to the down, lower part of the base, and so on and so forth. And to fire your button, you hit the... Or fire your button. To fire your zapper or whatever, you hit the, uh, the, the big yellow zap button, and you'll shoot whatever comes toward you. You have a couple of type of enemies. You have an alien ship, which is 500 points each, a space mine, which is 250 points each, and every so often you'll get an attack satellite that zooms around the playfield, and 2,000 points if you shoot that. Now, the aliens will always be lined up perfectly with your gun, with the exception of the attack satellite. Obviously, you want to shoot these space mines before they hit your ship. And it just, that's the whole game. And it just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. And I am horribly addicted to this game. This is like an ultimate Twitch type game. Mm. Uh, it's uh, based all on your reflexes. There's no real skill or strategy. There's no real strategy involved. Just shoot everything, not miss anything. And um, oh, yeah, you also get a extra laser base at 75,000, 100,000, and I believe 150,000. Might be 175,000. I don't remember. Yeah, no information on how many of these games were created or whatever. And um, where did my... Did I just close all of my frickin' notes? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. I am a dingus. It's been a rough day. You're right, it has. So I, I closed most of them except for this one. So, yeah. So that that's really the game. It's uh, really that simple. There were a couple of home ports, uh, unofficial. Oh, by the way, if you play this game, the, the marquee is actually on the front of the control panel. It's not actually on the top of the machine. And um, it uses the Astrocade sound chip, so it's got amazing sound. But, um, yeah, there were no official ports of this game. No, I didn't close it out. There we go. But um, hmm. there was one from the Bally Astrocade, which is called Space Fortress. And then there is a Tandy Coco version called Space Zapper. And then the TI-9948 had Starship Pegasus. It's rumored, and I think it's fairly well based, in fact, that uh, Cosmic Arc for the Atari 2600 started out as a port of Space Zap. Oh, but, really? Um, that explains they, a lot. Yeah, but they added the uh, the other screen with the with, where you capture the animals and bring them up to your big ship because the game was just too repetitive. There are, I've heard of at least 10 homebrew port, uh, versions of this game for the Atari 8-bit computers. I know I've got one on mine, and... Uh, I couldn't tell you the off the top of my head what the name of it is because I haven't hooked up my 8-bit in a few months now. So uh, that's the Space Zap. I mean, graphically, it's just a black and white with uh, your colored overlay on the top. Not a whole lot really to it. It's Bally Midway Manufacturing, 10750 West Grand Avenue in Franklin Park, Illinois, is where it was uh -huh. manufactured. And the flyer I'm looking at was distributed by Monroe Distributing Incorporated in Cleveland, Ohio. Why not take up a collection and send him to Cleveland? Because there was no, there are no dis flyer distribution places in the Chicago area, of, oh, course. of course. So they had to oh, outsource it over all the way to Cleveland. Oh, of course. So that's it. that's really the game. I mean, there's nothing complicated about it. It's just it's just fast-paced Twitch, you know, 
you pretty much got to know which button is at all times. It's like you don't ever look at the control panel if you want to succeed in this game. I mean, sometimes if it's a game like Defender, you're looking down every now and then, but this is... It's Twitch. You, like, instinctively press a button, you know, to... Whatever. I am trying to say something and not succeeding. <laughs> words but. are difficult. Uh, words, uh, words, uh. <laughs> so what do you have to say about yeah. the game, Sean? All right. I. Or, or do you want to go to high scores first? No, I want to say stuff first. Okay. And uh, it's that if it was indeed intended to be a cos, Well, if Cosmic Arc was indeed intended to be originally an arcade conversion of Space Zap. That sure explains a lot, especially the crappy collision detection in Cosmic Arc. I hate Cosmic Arc with a passion. I like that game. Everybody a, does except this guy right here. It's an I unofficial sequel it. to Atlantis. I always hated it because the collision detection sucks everything. If, there, if there's something suckable, the collision detection in Cosmic Arc sucks it. It does. And I, I will, my foot is firmly on the ground by that. And having said that, I've noticed similar, although not quite as frequently and as angering in Space Zap. I will see my laser go right past the thing and I still get hit. And I'm like, really? Are you effing kidding me? To me, at, at one point, the action comes so fast and furious that I don't even notice that. I just keep trying to shoot. For a black and white game, this is actually uh, the the explosion. This explosions in this game are actually pretty well done. I think. At any rate, that's just me. I mean, explode. I'll, I'll give it to you. This the explosions sound pretty good. Well, I think they look pretty good too for black and white. Well, with an overlay, of course. Oh, of course. So, I like this game. This is one of those games that, to me. It's where you like get in the zone, like Kaboom on the twenty six hundred. This to me is a zone game. So at one point, I'm just, just like plugging along. I think my high score on this game in the arcade, which uh, they have this at Pixel Blast. Not sure if they have it at the, the Galloping Ghost or not. but I, Or not Pixel Blast. Um, Prince Arcade. First place I ever played this game, if we might as well do that since we always do it, was actually yep. at... Um, oh, God, what's the one in DeKalb, Illinois? Um, oh, that's... Um, oh, Star... Star oh, Worlds. Star Worlds, yeah, yes. Star Worlds is the very first place That's I ever one played place this I game. That's I really want to go to. So, yeah, Star Worlds is the very first place I played this a few years ago. I've never heard of this game until a few years ago. And hmm. um, I played it at Star Worlds, and I immediately got addicted. I Now, Star Worlds isn't like the other arcades, which is a pay-one price. This is a, still an old school, like, you got to buy tokens and put well, them in. Well, they're from the old school days. That's so, true. Yeah. They're, they're still around from the old school days. They never took yep. a break, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, so you kept pump. I kept pumping token after token after token into that there, and when I go to Prince Arcades, I spend a lot of time on Space's app as well. And uh, this is this is just a game I'm hopelessly addicted to. Not a perfect game by any means, but for me, it's got that oh come on you know one more go feel to it. And uh, yeah, I really like this game. Not enough to to well we'll talk about my score later, but um, yeah, fun. I like it. Do I don't th- like it because uh, I, it just it, it bored me really, and I've never played an actual arcade cabinet of Space Zap. Uh huh. But playing it in Maine because I I just hadn't been able to get to uh, an arcade that had it uh, in the time that we've been uh, uh, off between episodes. But man, it just bored me. It no, bored me. No. 
it's like, I'm going to go do something interesting, like, I don't know, trim the bathroom rug, you know? You know what this game has? It kind of reminds me of, and I noticed this the first time I played it. It has a feel like whack-a-mole. Yeah, okay, I can see that. This yeah. is like and, a, a space-age version of whack-a-mole in a way. And it also reminded me, reminded, remound, remi- whatever. It evoked memories, there we go, of a game that I played on the TI-99-4A in our classroom at school, and also on the Apple II models in the school's library, called Meteor Multiplication. Uh-huh. Which is really probably more of an Asteroids clone than anything, and the things that you shoot at around the screen all have multiplication problems in them, and you have to type the answer to the problem and then shoot whatever enemy it is that has that the, the corresponding problem. And if you have the answer wrong, it moves in closer to you. So it kind of reminded me of that. It kind of, I think the graphics more than anything reminded me of Meteor Multiplication. Oh, by the way, um, oh? you know who designed the game? I know not who designed it. You won't find this as any surprise. Nutting and Associates. Really? Yep. Actually, I am surprised, because usually Nutting and Associates turns out better games. Oh, come on. This is a great game. Mm. I'm not going to try to How great is it? How many continues out of five? I'm giving it a four. Well, I only find it half as good. I'm giving it two continues. Ah, you're no fun. just... I like to be entertained, and, it's and not this an game entertaining entertains game. me. It's like when, like I said, it's like it's like whack a mole, but it's like more intense, and it's like more twitchy, and it's more to me. It's got that addictive one more go quality to it, and that's what I love about this game. It's mm. nothing. It, it it's not. It it doesn't to pr- pretend to be anything. It isn't. Shoot aliens. Be fast. Boom. That's it. And that's what you're getting. I like it. And I love the explosion sounds because of the uh, Astrocade sound chip. God, yeah, that Astrocade always... Astrocade had a great sound chip. I really want to. I really want to play an Astrocade someday. Hmm. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think we. Well, oh, high scores. We didn't talk about high scores. According to my uh, research, uh, Twin Galaxies shows their high scores being by Brendan O'Dowd. I wonder if he's related to Boy George. I was thinking that hmm. same thing. Interesting. But, uh, hey, Brendan, if you're listening, uh, l- let us know. Uh, uh, PyFactory at uh, fab4it.com. Uh, anyway, uh, he's uh, his high score uh, verified on December 4th, 2015 by TG SAP method was 283,750. And Orcade.com, and that is spelled A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. As we point out every episode. Well, yeah, because it's not quite obvious how to spell it, right. which is I'm trying to say, oh, arcade. Um, but yeah, I don't know how the heck you're supposed to pronounce this dude's last name, but uh, it's listed as Paul John Ramberg Pill, P-I-H-L. His score listed there is 402,540, which he got um, a, a week earlier on November 22nd, 2014. Oh man, I wonder if he video recorded that and uh oh because he could he could have submitted that and uh uh boy Brendan wouldn't have been able to uh claim the Twin Galaxies record, but oh well. So yeah, that's that's what I had to say about uh Space Zap. Uh Astro Invaders? Oh, Astro Invader. Yeah. Singular. Astro Invader. It's just, it's just one. Oh, there's only one? Oh, it's just one. Game. 
Yeah, yeah, it should be, but uh, it's misleading. Well, uh, okay, okay. Here's the thing. It might be that only the mothership that appears at the beginning of each round is considered the invader, but I, I don't know. But then again, how are we going to know? Because that's not the original title of the game. Oh? When it was released in Japan... Shoots and ladders. Oh. No, Snakes and Ladders. Oh, oh, that's That's right. what it was that's called. Right. Watch out for snakes! When it was re released in Japan in May of 1980, it was called Kamikaze. Uh-huh. Now, here's the thing. Um, Wikipedia claims that the game came out in 1979, but there's no corresponding reference to support that, so that's up for question. So I'm sticking with May 1980 in Japan and June 1980 in North America. Now, I, I couldn't get two sources to agree on this, but I think that Konami developed the game. Where it was released as Kamikaze, it was distributed by Lejack, L-E-I-J-A-C. Oh, I remember Animal Stories. Oh, wait, you said Lejack, not Lujack. Sorry. Something like that. Yeah. And in North America, it was distributed by Stern. And anybody who's played Astro Invader might have noticed that the mothership has Stern written on it when it comes across the screen. On Kamikaze machines, it actually says Layjack. So there's a, there's a modification. And there's also another modification that I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but the gameplay is a basic space shoot-em-up in the kind of uh, the vein of Space Invaders. In the Space Invaders tradition. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I love that. Like, I love phrases. Uh, I love the phrase, in the tradition of, or whatever, uh, because it just sounds so pretentious and haughty. Yeah. I like it. It's kind of like when people say, like, when the proverbial shit hits the fan. It's like, I don't remember any proverbs that mention that. And it's certainly not in the book of proverbs in the or Bible. Or when the literal shit hits the fan, like in the movie Airplane. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Apparently, my father-in-law laughed his ass off when he saw that. That's such a great movie. <laughs> Never got to meet him, though. But anyway, um, the gameplay of Astro Invader was that you control a laser base on the bottom of the play field, and there's an alien mothership that hovers over and drops a stream of 200 invaders. So yeah, why is it called Astro Invader? Shouldn't it be Astro Invaders? Anyway. Unless uh, the ship is the invader and the and it's just... He's the one invading, and everyone else is mind-controlled? I don't know. They would still be invading. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, they're distributed over five columns on each side beneath said mothership. When, th when they are distributed among the columns, it's kind of like one at a time for each column, and then it backtracks when it reaches the end. And there's a um, limit of, what is it, four invaders per column, and when it gets to that fourth invader... If the mothership attempts to drop a fifth one in that column, it falls right to the bottom of the screen. And if it reaches the bottom of the screen, it'll do one of two things. It'll either land on your ship, which will cause you to, well, your laser cannon, which will cause you to lose a life, or it'll hit the ground and shoot out a little, like, lightning bolt kind of zap on either side of it. That's probably about two and a half columns long per side. And if you're in the path of that shrapnel zap the zapnel if Ooh, you that actually sounds like a great game name shrapnel zap hmm. or maybe a maybe a uh, 80s hairband name Ooh, must write down but yeah if you're in the path of that zap you are toast hmm not good not good and also there are three tunnels amid the dropping aliens 
or the dropping invaders, I should say. There's one on the far left, one in the middle that splits off the two sets of five columns, and one on the right. And periodically, there will be kind of a, well, not really a mothership. Uh, is it, was it maybe a daughtership? A uh, sister-in-law a ship? Sister-in-law ship. But, Second cousin um, once removed ship? So, yeah, something like that. A U- let's just call it a UFO. A UFO, because we can't identify that flying object. We're going to call it a UFO. It comes down, and you have to shoot that thing before it reaches the bottom. If it reaches the bottom of the screen, you will lose a life. It'll zap the entire bottom. And uh, it's... Yeah, there's so much space invaders about this game, because you got to shoot the the invaders that come down. There's that sporadically appearing UFO that gives you anywhere between 100 and 400 points. And the control scheme is just like Space Invaders 2, because you have a a button to move left, a button to move right, and those are on the left side of the control panel, and you have a fire button. So playing it is just like playing Space Invaders. In fact, I was getting ready to announce that it is actual Space Invaders hardware just hacked for a different game. Uh It is not. It is not. Because I believe Space Invaders uses an IBM 8088 or maybe an 8080 processor uh astro invader uses a xylog z80 and also i believe uh uh, astro invader and kamikaze they are full color games there it's not an overlay Mm -hmm. Uh, it plays like it's black and white over an overlay because you you'll notice that say when you fire your laser changes color as it passes certain rows i believe uh, berserk or frenzy had that problem oh really which just might could be similar the same hardware Hmm. Could be, could be. I don't know. But They're both uh, stern. Hmm. Oh, that's a good point. But then again, I think Pac-Man is on a Zilog Z82. But Well, that's just the main processor. That's not all the other chips that are well, on the board, Well, yeah, too, that's though. true. That is true. But, yeah, that's... Uh, I could it, be just talking out my ass, which I... I had some uh, pizza, so I might well be t- talking oh, out my I, ass soon. Now I want some pizza. Good grief. Um, but anyway, that that's the game, and and basically you just got to move across and shoot all the invaders. Uh, the mothership distributes two hundred invaders, and then after those two hundred invaders are fully distributed, then the mothership leaves the screen. The game is paused, and then a new mothership comes on and drops more invaders, two hundred invaders, and that repeats ad nauseum, ad as nauseum. they say in as they say in ancient Rome. Aha! Uh-huh. But yeah, now here's the thing, though. What I described was Astro Invader. What I described is not Kamikaze, which is essentially the same game, but there are some differences. For one thing, I think the Kamikaze color scheme is a little bit different, Uh but also in Kamikaze, instead of having two sets of five columns, you have two sets of six columns. Huh. Okay. And the gameplay is a tiny bit different, too, because the UFO only comes from the middle of the screen. There's no UFO tunnel on the left or the right. It's all in the middle. There are six columns in Kamikaze, but the mothership will also drop an invader outside the sixth column on either side. Uh-huh. And since there's no column to hold it, that invader goes straight down all the way to the bottom. And... It acts as if any other invader like got released from the column. And also, when the invaders in Kamikaze hit the bottom of the screen, the uh, little um, Zapnel is wider. 
So it's more dangerous in Kamikaze, at least theoretically, because you have to be farther away from a falling invader mm -hmm. than you have to be in Astro Invader. So, yeah, um, personally, I prefer Astro Invader over Kamikaze. Uh, the, well, the one advantage I see in Kamikaze is that the UFO is only going to come from the middle of the screen. Uh, on Astro Invader, it's a seemingly random decision as to where the UFO comes from, but I think there is a little bit of artificial intelligence that determines where. I think it may try to guess where your ship is going to, and that's where, and it puts the uh, the UFO on another side of the screen or something. It's I, I think there's some kind of uh, specific logic to it. And uh, oh, it talks about how when you shoot the UFO, you get anywhere between 100 and 400. The other scoring is quite simple. Uh, if you shoot a um, invader in the column, you get 10 points. If it is not yet in the column, but falling into the column, it's 20 points. So yeah, very, very simple, <clears throat> very skim very simple Skimple. scoring. Actually, if the invader is moving at all, you get 20 points for shooting it. You get a bonus life at 10,000 points. Spoiler alert, I have never, ever earned a bonus life <laughs> in Astro Invader, because let me tell you, this is not an easy game. Oh, God, no, it's not. It is so hard. I mean, and I'm looking at the uh, the high scorecard at uh, Underground Retrocade, and I'm seeing these ridiculous scores. Like, I can get, like, 3,000, 4,000, but I'm seeing people getting, like, 16,000. I was like, what? So I asked a few people, how the hell do you do that? And they say, well... You want to stay toward the middle of all the columns. Like, don't move too far away from, like, say, the inner two on either of the uh, groups of columns. So, yeah. And I found that that actually does work. Re the last time I played Astro Invader, I actually scored, like, 6,600. But oh. that's still not 10,000, so I still didn't get a bonus life. <laughs> and I'm surprised that this game does not get more home love than it did because the only home port that it came out on was the VTEC Laser VZ computer. Oh. I you, have, you used to have one of those, didn't you? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's interesting because uh, I just did a quick look up on, on VTEC Laser. Um, it was from 1983. And it was also sold as the Salora Fellow in Finland, the Celtron 200 in Italy and Hungary, the Smart Alec Jr. in Dallas, the Texit... Wait, 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 wait. The Smart Alec Jr. in Dallas, as in Texas? Yep. A computer that was released only in Texas. And, uh, yeah, and uh, let's see, the VTech VZ was released in the U.S. and in Canada. So it's I, I don't know how that is, but apparently it was uh, it, it was based on a uh, um, early version of the Trash Eighty. So huh? I, I'm curious huh. as to if the Trash Eighty stuff runs on this sucker, or any Trash Eighty. If some some Trash Eighty stuff works on it, I don't know. But yeah, so Astro Invader was out, or actually it might have been Kamikaze that was out. For, I think it was Kamikaze that was out for this obscure computer. Oh my. God, yeah, this is a weird honking computer. This is a weird honking computer, I tell you what. Yeah. Oh, God, it doesn't have a space bar. There's a key really? in the... Yeah, it's about the size of an enter key, and it's all the way in the lower right corner of the keyboard. Wow, that's stupid. There's no caps lock. 
<laughs> oh, man. Caps Lock is one thing. No actual space bar is something else entirely. Yeah, it's just a little key in the corner. Wow. Oh, man. I almost want one of these just for decoration. And, um, yeah, that's the only uh, the only uh, home version of it. Um, Jimmy G, where did you first play Astro Invader? The first and only place I played it was at Underground Retrocade. Me too! And... I'm not a huge fan of this game. I know the Ghost game. has it, but I, I usually I just never play it when I'm there. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of this game. I just really? have to come right out and say that. It's just another Space Invaders clone to me. Hmm. And if I'm going to play a Space Invaders game, I'm going to play Space Invaders. Well, that's almost like saying, well, if I'm going to play a Pac-Man game, I'm going to play Pac-Man. But there are how many different Pac-Man games out there? While that's true, I just don't like this game. So Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. But I'm not going to get my rating just yet. I like Astro Invaders. Astro, I, no, Astro Invader. <clears throat> excuse me. But I don't love it. Like sometimes, it, basically, I have to be in the correct mood to be able to play it. Let's get it. Oh, and, little Barry White on in the background. No, more. I think more like Orleans. Oh, okay. Orleans, yeah. So, oh, great. Next time I go to Underground Retrocade, Scott's going to play still the one on the sound system and expect <laughs> me to play Astro Invader. Good grief. Um, but, yeah, um, if I'm in the right mood, I will play Astro. I'll, I'll play like a half a dozen iterations of Astro Invader all in a row and probably swear a lot because I can't get past like 6,000. But I don't love the game. Mm -hmm. I would say if I'm giving this a rating on our continue scale, which I am, by the way, mm -hmm. it would be three out of five continues. How about you? Two. Two. Okay. Two. Hmm. I mean, I don't hate it enough to give it a one, but uh, this is not a game I'm going to revisit. Yeah, it's got to be really bad to get a one. Yeah, I, I'm, I, this is just one I'm not going to revisit. I've played yeah. it a couple of times in MAME, but yeah, it's... I don't know. You know, I can, uh, yeah, yeah I, I dig what you're saying about Space Invaders, because, hey, after all, I, I would have sworn that it was literally a hacked version of Space Invaders, but the thing is, there are enough twists in it for me, and that it's almost a juggling game, and on top of that, not only do you have to worry about aliens landing on you, but you also have to worry about them landing near you. Uh, sort of like space, a combination of Space Invaders and Avalanche? Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I, guess I could, yeah, yeah. I that's just a, that's a good that. way to put it. I get a shiny gold star for that. And I'm going to yawn right now. Oh, oh don't even get me started. Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, uh, I should uh, talk about the uh, high scores that are recorded. Yes, why don't you? Oh, now, God. Um, Orcade.com and Twin Galaxies agree that Martin Bedard has the record at 116,380. Have I done these hoisted by my own joke about this guy before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Not going to do it again. Because we, yeah, we've mentioned Martin Bedard several times okay. so far. Not going to do that but, joke again. But apparently he performed the game that gave him that score on May 29th, and Twin Galaxies verified it on May 30th, 2009. So, nice. Yeah, 116. Oh, my God. I'm just wondering how long you have to play, because this is not a high-scoring game. What did we say when we, we, we did Space Invaders? Somebody got, like, a million points on that, and it took them, like, a couple days or something, didn't it? I can imagine. Yeah, and uh, in high scores, they were talking about somebody who played Space Invaders for 36 hours, or no, Asteroids, for yeah. something like th either 31 or 36 hours straight on one quarter. Man, I don't have... I I can't do that. I cannot play the same damn game for that long it's just not worth it at some point i would if i was good at a game at some point 
I would just get bored. I think. And, well, I I probably would again, too. I, that's I, why. I, again, then again, I'm saying that now, and I'm not really good at pretty much anything. So. Yeah, and the, well, the thing is, like, that's one of the reasons why if I'm score chasing, it's going to be a game that I know is not marathonable like that. Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to tr- do one of the, uh, if I want to do Pac-Man or one of the games that was hacked from Pac-Man, like Ms. Pac-Man or Junior or something, then I know it's going to come to an end no matter how good I am. It's going to be over in, say, three to four hours tops mm-hmm. because of the kill screen, which I've only done on the Turbo Ms. Pac-Man. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I got I I got the uh, game reset bug. Oh, that's right. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't that you actually reached the last level. It was just this other random bug that pops up. Yeah, as such were the uh, limitations of the game that people didn't think of because they didn't know it was possible. But oh boy. So, yeah. So that is uh, so we both rated these games. Uh, do you have anything further to say about uh Astro Invader or Kamikaze? No, no, not really. I, yeah. I By think the way, I'm both the, the, the ROMs for both versions are available. There you go. But yeah. What is the theme of the, What do these two things have thematically in common? Well, you suggested the theme for this one. Well, actually, I kind of threw it out there, but you... You threw did, it out there, and I yeah, went and you it. and you were like, and I was uh, questioning it, and you was like, no, 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 I think it's a good theme, so... So you had the ultimate uh, veto power, which you did not and did not utilize. But uh, the theme is these are just two Twitch games. It's kind of a two space space themed space, Twitch games. Space themed Twitch games, which yeah. lame theme, but hey, it gets the job done, don't it? Yeah, and it's also the result of uh, you know the the law of diminishing return. I mean, we have it's the law. It's it's the result of focus group testing. For in that too, yeah, focus groups and uh, yeah. By the way, should we let the focus group out of the cage, or should we just toss a couple more bananas in? Uh, let's do with, let's do the banana thing. Okay. Hey, you down there? Yeah, I only got one this time. Yeah, don't fight over it. And uh, yeah, um, oh, uh, we should give people an update on the direction of Pie Factory Podcast, yes. which I believe is north by northwest, isn't it? Uh, well, you're actually north northeast from. No, you're more northeast from me, and I'm southwest yeah. of you. So, okay. Uh, as I mentioned, I have a new job. Uh, I'm Yay. Three in the afternoon to midnight, so we cannot record in the evenings anymore. And since Sean has a life and I don't, uh, it really is kind of restricting our record time. So we are moving the podcast to one episode a month now. Uh, we're not going to tie ourselves down to a specific time of the month. Yeah. Just basically, if an episode comes out, say, in September, don't expect a second episode in September. Right. Uh, I'm not saying it'll never, ever, ever, ever happen, but... But, yeah, but with the way things are currently, it might not happen. Oh, yeah, and one yeah. other thing is, um, starting in September, I will be on call, so that perhaps oh. might... Who knows what that will do, but uh, for yeah. now, we're guaranteeing one episode a month at minimum. We might throw a special deal in every now and then. Yeah. And uh, for now, that's going to be the case, because we're going to pretty much have to record on Saturday evenings, which... Sean is the renaissance man, so to speak. Or Sundays, perhaps. Or Sundays. And uh, so Sean's always busy. Me, I'm just sitting here sleeping because I'm way too tired from my shift. So, so yeah. yeah. Once a month for Pipe Factory Podcast. Won't rule out throwing out a special episode every now and then, an additional one. But uh, for now, we're guaranteeing one a month. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, having said that, um, I do want to uh, offer my thanks to the following people who have been uh, uh, very supportive on us on patreon.com slash Podcast. Thanks or condolences? 
Uh, well... Or a little of both. Considering that we benefit from their condolences, I'm thanking them. Okay. Well, they're fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I'm going to start from the middle and start with Mike Hat NJ. Thank you. Uh, Nate Lockhart, I thank you. And New Balance Stores Phoenix, PJ Steele, Richard Grounds, and Richard Valdez, and Rory Coleman, and Steve Steiner, and uh, Greg at the SNES Podcast, Tim Foley, Timmy Mack, Underground Retrocade, Air Shack, Art Guglielmo, Atari Bytes, Christian Williams, D. Alex, Frank O'Dragon, Keith O'Sheehan, Kurt Musgrave, Kyle Adder, Lance Endries, and Mark Super. Thank all of you. And we also thank you, Henio, for the email that we're going to respond to right now. Yes. And I closed it. I don't need to open it up again. All right. Well, in that case, um, Eugenio says, hi, Jim and Sean. Well, hi, Eugenio. I hope you guys are staying well and continue to be safe from the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, so far I've been. Since my last message, things have finally begun to improve in Miami and the number of cases is going down. That's good news, though it is far from over. That's bad news. It's unfortunate that there are people who still do not wear masks. And by the way, those of you who haven't heard heard uh, of our friend Eugenio before, um, he is a doctor. He is a physician. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, he says, thankfully, most businesses are enforcing the mask requirement and the cities have established fines should anyone be caught without a mask. The other bit of good news is that the vaccines being developed by Moderna in the U.S. and Oxford University with AstraZeneca in the U.K. are showing good promise. Moderna in the U.S. is doing a large trial with 30,000 people to see if the effects seen on smaller trials can be reproduced with a larger group of people. One of my patients is participating in this larger trial. The companies are already manufacturing the vaccines so that they can distribute them once the larger study confirms both safety and efficacy. They are taking a risk by doing this, but it is the only way to get the vaccine out ASAP. You bet that I'll be in line to get that shot as soon as it is available. Yeah, me too, me too. Same here. Anyway, enough talk of the virus. Time to start giving you feedback on today's games, Astro Invaders. This shooter is one that I never saw at any of my local arcades when I was living in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I never saw it either. Nor do I recall seeing it at any retro event I've attended. I have, however, played one port of this game, which is how I learned of it. It's the port for the Intellivision released by Collector Vision in 2018. I did not know about this. So, oh. hey, there's an addenda and a rata right there. <laughs> I will have to look that up. Yeah, the int- you. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, you got to look it up. Well, then again, you don't like the games. So. Uh, the well, Intellivision just because I don't like an arcade game doesn't necessarily mean I hate the home port of it. Oh, that could be true, sure. There's a couple, uh, the, I think, that work better as home ports than they do as arcade Well, like games. Space Invaders, I much prefer the 2600 sure. version over any other version that I've played. TI Invaders is uh, second, by the way, for me. Uh, the Intellivision port, uh, going back to you, Henio, uh, is pretty faithful to the arcade original from what I've seen from YouTube videos. The Intellivision version is shorter on the vertical plane, but it replicates the arcade quite well. It is as colorful as the arcade original and captures the gameplay very well. The graphics and sound effects are also pretty faithful to the arcade. In fact, the sound effects on this game are very similar to those of Space Invaders, so they will be familiar to many players. Yeah, and that's the, I totally agree with you, Hanio, there. Yeah, it, is, it sounds like Space Invaders when you play it. It really does. Anyway, uh, so Eugenio says, so though I have not played the... So though I have not our play... <laughs> So, though I have not played the arcade original, I'm glad that I have a pretty faithful port to enjoy, 
at home. By the way, the Intellivision port also gives... Oh, I was oh, about neat. to ask. <laughs> he knew I was about to ask that. By the way, the Intellivision port also gives the player the choice of playing the kamikaze version of the game as a added bonus. If you're curious... Oh, if you're serious, I see that collector... If you're curious, I... If you're curious, I see that Collector Vision still has this game available for sale. Huh. 70 bucks. I might want to get that if I ever get my Phoenix. Mm. Anyway, uh, I am aware that there is an official port that was made for this um, game for the Arcadia. Just as an FYI, I'm on Collector Vision's website right now, and Collector Vision is putting this out for the Intellivision. Oh, okay. And it's 70 bucks. E, okay. But they make uh, anyway. good stuff, so they're and they're uh, they're reputable. They make good stuff. They're reliable. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I I would not have a problem uh, dropping seventy bucks and uh, anything Collector Vision does. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm aware there is an official port that was made for this game for the Arcadia 2001 back in 1982. I did not know. Why didn't I not? What? What? How did I not know? Good grief. All right, I, I should I just resign from this podcast and hand it over to you, Hanio? He's like sure. much he's much better at being informed than I am. Uh, he says that port doesn't look as good, but appears to capture the gameplay well from what I was able to see on videos. I am still hoping to see one of these machines at some point so I can play the original arcade version. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got to check that out. Next thing I know, there's probably a Vectrex version of it somewhere, or at least a clone. So. I, I, maybe it's called Spike Invader or something. I don't know. Uh, thank you, Eugenio. Um, he, he has stuff to say about Space Zap as well. And I just found the email, so I will read it. Please. Space Zap. <clears throat> this game I have seen at retro events, but I've never played it. Go figure. I'm not aware of any official ports of this game to home consoles, but it appears that the folks at the Magic took inspiration from this game when they created Cosmic Arc for the 2600. Though that game has two screens, the first is pretty much the same gameplay as in Space Zap. Yeah, pretty much right. I yeah. also discovered that there are a number of clones for this game on the Atari 8-bit computers. Space Attack, Cylon Zap, Genetic Drift, Laser Base, Space Base, Star Castle, Star Fortress, Orion, and Star Base Alpha. Okay, I think the one I've played is Laser Base, actually. Uh, uh. <clears throat> but anyway, I found at Atari Mania what appears to be a commercial adaptation of the game to the Atari 8-bit computers, though. It was released in 1983 by... FS Incorporated. I've downloaded the ROM on the site to give it a spin. This game looks like a Twitch game where your reflexes are very important, but it doesn't seem to have much variety in the gameplay. Maybe that's why we really didn't see home ports of this game. So that's all for today. Please wear a mask, wash your hands, stay safe. Going to the final frontier, disinfecting, scrubbing, and gaming. So, as per usual, thank you again, uh, Eugenio. We thank always you. appreciate your emails. And we appreciate uh, emails and contact from pretty much everybody so, uh, yeah, if you're, uh, feel free to email us, piefactory at fab4it.com. And, yeah, uh, we'll we're on read the, your we're email. We're on the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash piefactory. We will podcast. also take audio submissions. We haven't had one of those in quite some time. Yeah, so we have. So if you want to do that. And, uh, we're also on Me We. We are. Yes, yeah. we are. Me We. Uh huh. So, yeah, uh, so that's episode, uh, 185. Uh, 115. So. Why did I say 185? No, 115. 115. I'm jumping, jumping way ahead of myself here. Yeah, Saturdays I don't know if there's enough. Rough. I don't know if there's that many games to actually talk about. Yeah, we're we pretty much talked about everything except Turkey Shoot. So yeah. No, there's a few we haven't talked about, but uh, no, there's not. There's a few. There's a couple, but <laughs> um, we still we don't, we'll be here for a good long while. Don't you worry. 
So yeah, so uh, uh, shall we? That's uh, what I am worried about. So shall we tell people uh, what games we're going to cover in our next episode? Uh, yeah, I would like to do the honors, please. Uh, you we do will the be talking about Legend of Cage and Raiden. Legend of Cage Raiden. and Raiden. So hope you join us for that. And once again. From my Pie Factory Podcast Headquarters, sued. This is uh, Jimmy G. And from Pie Factory Podcast Headquarters, plaintiff. This is Sean. And we will. Was catch... that a good pun? Because uh, you said sued. Sued is German for South. Yeah, but still, sued is all. That's the uh, whole point I'll of wordplay. Pl- I'll let you have this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, we never agreed that this year I had to make a good pun. I just had to make a pun. Uh, but remember, if it wasn't for bad puns, there'd be no puns at all. That is incorrect. That's very true. All right. We'll talk to you all in uh, about a month or so. So we'll uh, catch you and, uh, I don't know, fillet you and roast you over a grill. Mm, Grill. Bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Damn it, Bobby. So. Uh, okay. I don't know you. And now, another episode of Burp Along with Sean. Uh, Whoa, good one. Oh, cucumber.